for pointing out that we as Christian soldiers are really children inside and we get afraid. But we've got the armor of God on us. We have someone who's holding our hand and helping us fight. Heavenly Father, thank you for that beautiful song, Lord, that has prepared our hearts for thy word. I pray, Lord, that though many of us may have come discouraged in the battle, I pray that this morning, Lord, you might lift our spirits up and that we might recognize, Father, that our strength lies in you and not in ourselves to carry on the battle. Thank you, Father, as we pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles, please. Let's turn to the book of Colossians. And we're in chapter 2 as we continue our series in this tremendous letter to the Colossians. Um, Here the Apostle Paul, as you recall, has been trying to encourage Uh, saints that were being persecuted, but also the problem was that there were outsiders seeping into the church or or those that were even in the church, and they were bringing in some false teaching, which was mixed with truth, and therefore it sounded so good, and they were called Gnostics, where they, 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 they were taking some of the Greek culture and their ideas, their philosophies, and adding it to Christianity, adding it to faith. And therefore, they, when they, they would talk about Jesus, yeah, Jesus is great, but... And then they would have all this other stuff of traditions of men that they felt that they were telling the Christians, you better do this, you better do that. Uh, and it's just according to the traditions of men. And then also that they, they were bringing in the worship of angels, and they were, and there, there was all kinds of, of of false teaching wrapped up in this. So Paul, again, is going to be pointing this out to the believers in the church at Colossae, and we're going to pick it up at verse uh, four together. Uh, we looked at verse four last time we were here, but I, I it, it bears repeating to set up what we are about to read the rest of the few verses. Verse 4, Colossians 2, Paul wrote, I say this in order that no one may delude you with persuasive argument. See, what Paul has been doing, he's been presenting Christ in all his deity, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, all man, all God, And that there is nothing else we need outside of Christ. And so the things that he has been writing, he says, I'm writing the truths to you concerning Christ and who he really is, that you might know him so that nobody can come along and delude you with persuasive arguments. And so he goes on now and he's going to, Encourage them, exhort them in verse 5. Look at verse 5 with me. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good, good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. Here again, the Apostle Paul speaks of his not being there. He has never been to this church. 
Remember that. He has never been to Colossae. He didn't found this, this church. Uh, Epaphras, we believe, is the one that founded this church. But Paul did not. So, but he's telling them, even though I am not there in body, nevertheless, I am with you in what? Spirit. I am with you in spirit. Uh, sometimes we often say that to loved ones who are, are far away and maybe we're, we're communicating with them. We can't be with them. We wish we could be. Maybe you have a loved one who is in the hospital and, and they live in another state. They're far away or perhaps a missionary that uh, you are supporting and you, you are, you, you're communicating with. Uh, do you recall the times that you would may, perhaps write, but I'm with you in spirit? And that's encouraging to hear that from someone uh, because that tells me that that person who says that or writes that to me, they are praying for me. That they are with me in spirit because they are bringing me before the Lord. And that's what Paul was basically saying. He's saying, though I can't be with you physically, I'm there in spirit. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that the Lord would continue to protect you, strengthen you, cause you to grow in your faith. And notice he says that he rejoices in something. In the rest of verse 5. Rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith. If you have a King James Version, it's translated, Beholding the order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Now, these two words, order and steadfastness, or good discipline and stability... These are actually, in the Greek, these are two military terms that Paul's using. And it's talking about how a soldier, and we just heard that beautiful song about the Christian soldier. A soldier, when he is in battle, he needs to stand firm. He needs to stand firm, not only in his heart, what he believes in, but, but physically, in a physical battle. The Roman soldiers, when they uh, were given their armor, uh, some of you may remember this, that the soldiers in Rome were given shoes or sandals that had spikes on the bottom of them. Sort of like what you, you know, if some of you have run track or you played baseball, you got your spikes on the bottom of your shoes. Why do you have spikes? Why do you wear them? It's of course, it's so you can get a good, your foot can get a good grip on the ground when you make your cut. Whether it's football, you, you need to be able to move quickly, maneuver without slipping and falling down. So it was that they gave these, these spikes, these iron spikes at the bottom of the shoes of the Romans so that when they were in battle, they would stand firm that they would not be slipping around or sliding down, down the, the slope and, and then be, be vulnerable to the enemy. And so Paul is using these terms, speaking of, uh, using military terms of, and he's commending them that the Col church at Colossae, what were they doing? 
they were, they were showing good discipline and steadfastness in their faith in Christ. And we re- read also in Ephesians 6, 11, when Paul talks about the armor in chapter 6. Remember what he said in verse 11? Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand firm. That's right. That you may be able to stand firm against what? Remember? Schemes of the devil. The wiles of the devil. God has given us the spiritual armor, including the footing, to be able to fight the spiritual battle that is against us. And this week, this past week, each one of you has been dealing with your own spiritual battle. I don't know what it is. You don't know what mine is. But Satan never goes to sleep. He is all constantly attacking the children of God. And he wants you as a Christian soldier to finally fall, to slip up. And it might be sin. The attack might be temptation that comes your way and, and suddenly you find yourself sinning or falling down and, and, and disobeying God's word or something like that. Or, or it could be attitudes. Suddenly I have that old, the old nature in me just rise up. Suddenly I'm proud. Suddenly I'm, I'm angry for the wrong reason. Suddenly I have bitterness towards someone else who's hurt me, someone who else has done me wrong. And so we can have the wrong attitudes, which is sin. And so Satan is trying to get in through the armor and trying to get us to fall and slip. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm proud of you, dear Christians at Colossae. I'm proud of you. I'm rejoicing in the good discipline you are showing. And the stability, the firmness that you are holding uh, in your faith in Christ. But then we come to verses 6 and 7. So he exhorts them, commends them, says he's rejoicing over these things that he has heard about, though he hasn't seen them in person. Verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord... So, what are we to do? Walk in him. Do you see that there? Verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Notice Paul uses the past tense concerning receiving Christ. He says, as you therefore have Keyword, keyword, key have received Christ. In other words, this has already been done. There was a point in your life where you came to faith in Christ. And those of you who are believers this morning, you might not be able to exactly recall the day, even the year that you accepted Christ as Savior. But you know there was a point in time where suddenly your spiritual eyes were opened and you began to see. You began to understand the cross. You began to understand the gospel as you heard it. And you believed. Somewhere along the line, you believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for you and rose again from the dead. And you just believed that he is the only one that can save you. And you began to turn to the Lord and accept him by faith. 
though you may not have a date, that took place. There was a point in time, though you may not know exactly when, where you were what Jesus called born again. A spiritual birth took place where when you, you, there was a point in time where suddenly your faith was suddenly accepted by God and he gave you by his grace, he received you as a child of God. And at that moment, you were spiritually born into God's family. You are called a child of God because of that spiritual birth. So this is past tense. I want you to understand this. So nothing in your life or what you do or say can change this that you have received christ and this is where this is this is your foundation that you have received christ so because you are a true believer he now says so this is what you need to do you need to walk in christ you're positionally standing in christ You've been robed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven you. But now it just doesn't end there. And it's so sad when sometimes we think that, well, now I'm saved. Okay, I got that done. So here's my, my list of, of things I want to do. And so we, we forget that the Christian life is a walk, a progressive walk of sanctification and we use that word a lot sanctification and, and you know what it means the word sanctification means to set be set apart unto God so therefore when I am saved I begin my walk through life I now have a new Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I have to ask myself, am I growing closer to him? Am I knowing him more intimately? And is my lifestyle what I think, what I say, what I do? Do I see Christ in my actions, in my behavior, in that lifestyle? And so this is what Paul is concerned about here. The Christians, because... If I am not growing in sanctification and setting my, apart, myself apart daily unto the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm yours, I surrender my will to you today again, I'm yours, and help me to live in obedience to your word. It is then that if we aren't growing, when those winds of, uh, of, of false teaching come along and, and suddenly it hits us and we, are not, we haven't been growing in the word, suddenly we will find ourselves beginning to maybe sway a little bit. Even though we are secure in Christ, some of these things can creep in and give us doubts about certain things that maybe God said in his word. He goes on then in verse 7, so what, what's involved in this walking in him? Well, Paul makes it clear in verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude or thanksgiving. 
Here he's talking again, he's talking about their position in Christ first. Notice where he says, having been firmly rooted. Again, the word have, have been, past tense. In other words, these people at the church in Colossae, they were saved, which another way of saying it is they were firmly rooted. They were firmly rooted in the ground. When you received the gospel of Christ, and Paul is using a metaphor of trees here and the way trees have stability. If you know the redwoods, how many have ever been out to see the redwoods? Anybody ever see? Oh, some of you have. I've never got the chance to see them, but they, uh, I heard that they are incredible. But from what I understand, the redwoods are so strong because the roots in the ground continue to grow and spread. And they, they spread to a point where they interconnect with other redwoods. And so not only are they, the roots go deep and are strong and grounded, but they connect to other redwoods and get strength from them too. And that's a beautiful picture of the family of God. How often have you, dear Christian, been uh, encouraged, lifted up, built up in your faith because of other believers who came around you when, when you were going through a battle, when you were suffering, when you're going through a trial, suddenly someone comes along and says, I'm praying for you. If there's anything I can do, Tom Taylor, that's, a, that's what he was marveling at. The people that just came out of nowhere and people he didn't even know and he either bring, bring some food to him and his wife or just sent a card of encouragement or stopped by for a visit. And just he just felt the family of God lifting him up. What was happening? The roots were, were being, being strengthened in the, in the body of Christ. And we can therefore, that's the only way we can bear one another's burdens, as the scriptures tell us. And so firmly rooted. What a beautiful picture this is, being firmly rooted as a tree. Turn to, uh, actually, Psalm chapter 1 with me. Let's go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Now, here he's talking here again uh, about the man who is walking in the word, the word of God. Look at Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk, and that's what Paul's talking about, walking, this, the progressive sanctification. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, or scornful. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. You see that? And in his law, he meditates day and night. What is the law of God? It's the word of God. You have it. Many of you are holding it right now in your hands. 
the Word of God, the living Word of God. And so I have to ask myself as a Christian, I am rooted in Christ, firmly rooted, but I have to ask myself, am I delighting in God's Word, first of all? Do I love this book more than anything else? And if I do, that means I love Jesus more than anything else. And if I delight in his word, what am I going to do? I'm going to meditate on his word day and night. In other words, I'm going to hide God's word in my heart. So his truths are in my mind. They come to mind. I'm thinking, dwelling upon them throughout the day. And suddenly a verse will come to mind. Maybe I read in the morning in my devotional time. Or maybe perhaps today, you kids, you went to Sunday school you were taught the word of God and suddenly there was a verse that, that, that you, you'll remember that, that was taught to you. And that was the word of God. And suddenly you'll remember that down the road. And suddenly God, the Holy Spirit will bring that to your remembrance that you could be strong uh, when, when, the t- when the difficulties come and strengthen your faith. But look at verse 3 then. When we delight in the, God's word and when we meditate day and night, Look what happens. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. That, it's, it's like the word of God is like the streams of water that come to our roots. For we're already rooted in Christ. But now the question is, does my tree, what does my tree produce in my life? He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Now, we don't use this verse as the prosperity gospel, that you're going to be rich, wealthy, and healthy all your life. You won't have any sickness, but talking about God's favor upon you. But notice what we as believers can become if we are immersed and live and walk in the word. That is, then I I become like a tree planted firmly. The roots go down, the roots go out and and go closer to the water, the word. And I am strengthened so that I will then bear much fruit. So then go back with me now to Colossians 2. Let's go back to Colossians 2. So he talks about you, you're already rooted, but now he talks about the, that progressive sanctification we've been talking about, the walk, our walk in Christ. Verse 7 again, having been firmly rooted and now, okay, something, here's the things that are to be happening now in our lives. Being built up in him, Christ, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. What do we see here? Paul is saying, now, what is that? Now that you've been rooted in Christ, and that speaks of the foundation. Remember, there's no other foundation a man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so the foundation has been laid. So we are built upon that foundation, but we are building something spiritually 
So you and I are, are being built up in him. The question is, how am I being built up? And what am I building my spiritual life with? And that would take us to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 together. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. We'll pick it up at verse 11. Here's the, the rootedness of the believer. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, Paul writes, For no man can lay a foundation other than that one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we're on that foundation as believers. But now, we are building something. Look at verse 12. Now, if any man, and he's speaking about the believer, now, if any man builds upon the foundation, which is Christ, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it. And we're talking about eternity when we stand before Jesus, our works will be tested. Because it is to be revealed with fire, heavenly fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. You could even put in there each man's walk, because that's what he's basically talking about. The way I'm walking, which includes the, the, my, my works, whether they be selfish uh, works or giving works and and he goes on and he says, speaking of these works, if any man, in man's work, verse 14, if any man's work which he has built upon, it remains, has built upon, it remains, he shall receive a reward. In other words, there are certain, uh, I'm building my spiritual life in my walk with the Lord every day, I'm building the spiritual structure within me so that it will be presented to Jesus Christ one day. I'm building my, uh, my spiritual man up. I'm growing in Christ. This is talking about growing in Christ. But Paul is using constructive terms, the way you build buildings. And so he's trying to use this as a metaphor. And so then he says, verse 15, if any man's work is burned up, which means these are works that, that really weren't done for the Lord Jesus. It didn't really cause me to grow in Christ or to know him better. But it was, I began doing selfish things. I'm living for myself or I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just putting myself first. And, uh, and uh, the things I'm doing in my life, it's all selfish ambition. If any man's work is burned up, speaking again of a Christian, look at verse 15. He shall suffer loss. Loss of what? Loss of salvation? No, we cannot lose our salvation. We know that for a fact by all the truths given to us in the word of God. Jesus said, and no one can pluck you out of my hand or my father's hand. So many other passages that tell us we cannot lose our salvation. He shall suffer loss. Loss what? He just spoke of it in verse 14. Rewards. That if the way I'm building my life by the way I walk, that's what Paul's talking about. If I'm not growing in the word, strengthening myself in God's word, then I'm, I'm going to be building with the wrong kind of materials. 
Have any of you ever built something that you wish you had built it with different materials, you guys? And you thought, oh, why did I use that stuff? You know, and, and then you, you wished you had gone and got something stronger, something that was more firm. Uh, and and uh, it, this is what he's talking about. If you go, and then he says, but, rest of verse 15, but he himself, the Christian, though he suffers loss, loss of reward when he stands before Christ, he shall be what? See the word? He shall be saved, yet so as through fire. In other words, at the same time, his faith will be tested, but the faith won't burn up. He won't suffer the loss of his salvation. He's still going to be saved. So there will be some of us who will be before Christ and he'll have the record of our life back on earth. And there are going to be those times he says, you built with the wrong materials. Therefore, I can't give you re the, the rewards I wanted to give you. And notice Paul mentions uh, the, the different types of materials. Verse, back in verse 12, he says, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, that's the good stuff right there. That's the good stuff. If I'm building for Christ, I'm building for others, I'm building for the glory of God, my life, and I'm putting, I'm seeking first, Matthew 6, 33, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then I am going to be building with the gold, spiritual gold, spiritual silver, spiritual precious stones, and sometime when the fire is tested in heaven, the Lord says, now this work stands. You built a beautiful building, and here is your reward for it. But then some of us are doing this. Oh, we may use some silver, some gold, some precious stones, but sometimes we find ourselves building with what? Wood, hay, and straw. What happens when you put a match to hood, wood, hay, and straw? Poof, there it goes. This is... This is the, 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 the junk here when we get to heaven. The spiritual uh, uh, type of, of, of uh, you know, materials that we're building spiritually that God's going to send his holy fire on and go, didn't last. You were building with the wrong materials. And Paul is trying to get this across to the believer that in Colossae, that as you walk, I want you to be Continue to be built up, and that's that word for construction, built up in him and then established in your faith. Let's continue here by closing uh, back in Colossians chapter 2. If you go back there, verse 7 again, the end of verse 7, and established in your faith, again, that's continually being strengthened in your faith. How am I strengthened in my faith? By making sure my heart and mind is soaking up the word of God. Every day, all the time. Just as you were instructed, instructed, and then what am I to do? Overflowing with thanksgiving or with gratitude. Do I have a grateful heart? Do I, what kind of heart? Do, do I every day have a heart of gratitude for what God's done for me? What he's given me? Every little single thing do I thank him for? Do I show a grateful heart? Over, does gratitude overflow out of my life? Have you ever seen a Christian that 
is truly thankful for everything in his life. And you look at them, and even though suddenly the worst thing happened to them, yet they find things to be thankful for. I've asked, again, I'm bringing up Tom Taylor because I've asked him to share his testimony. When he does return, he said he'd willingly get up and be able to share his testimony with with you folk so you can hear uh, what he went through, where he was almost killed, but he survived. Was there any good that came out of that? Was there anything that Tom could be thankful for when he got his face crushed by a truck? When the, when the truck backed into him and crushed all the bones in his face and nose, and he had, had uh, close to 400 uh, uh, sutures, they had to sew them up, and they had to go in, they opened them up and rebuilt those bones, had to push them back out and use glue and restructure it and all kinds of things. What does he have to be thankful for? You talk to him, you ask him, he'll share you. He still, in spite of it all, is overflowing with thanksgiving. And so can you. He's thankful that he could have been killed. God spared his life for a reason. He believes that God has had a purpose in this, has a purpose in this, in his life. And so he's thankful for whatever purpose that is going to be. He's thankful that today he has his eyesight because the doctor said, we can't guarantee that you'll see again out of the, especially that right eye. He can see. He has different things. He's not focusing on the negative, but he's focusing on what God has done positively in his life. And he's praising the Lord and thanking him. In the midst of all, he's overflowing with gratitude, even though he doesn't understand why God allowed it. And you may not understand what God has allowed in your life, but you must trust him. You must trust him. And let's just close with verse 8 this morning. He then, after this, why, why should we be, continue to be built up in Christ through his word and established in our faith? Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. And the word captive there in the Greek means kidnap. It's the only place in the New Testament this word is used in the Greek. See to it that no one takes you captive through what? Philosophy, empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. There are going to be Christians that... Have, have delved into other spiritual stuff, spirituality and other things outside the Bible. And they will come to you, hey, you should try this. Or you're missing something in your life. That's what the Gnostics were doing to the church in Colossae. They were saying, yeah, but there's, there's some secret knowledge that you need to get. That you can know more. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, you got Jesus. Yeah, but hey, there's more, more stuff here that you don't know about. And then, then angels, and then it gets into worshiping, all kinds of stuff. And that's how the cults have, have come to be founded, all the cults. And so uh, it, it breaks my heart when I see some Christians willing to take anything that is out there on the shelves, on the internet, and they take everything as gospel truth. 
and they never go to the word of God with what they're listening to or reading. This is where we have to go. We have to filter everything we would pick up to read or look at or what someone says, filter through the word of God. Does it match what God says? You know? I have these two books in my library over here. This one, Handbook of Today's Religions. The other one here I have, the Word of God. Now, if I called somebody up and I said, here, choose one. I'd like to give you a book. You can choose either one. How many do you think would choose this? Wow, handbook of today's religions? I'd like to know about more religions. What do they think? And sadly, some Christians have, have, have said, well, I want to know what, what Islam is really all about. I heard that they, maybe they worship the same God we do. Have you heard that? That we worship the same God? Or, or other, other, the Mormons, or other cults that are out there. There's a handbook, that, but now this book was written by Josh McDowell, so it's not, one, it's not a book that is secular that I have in my library, but he wrote about all the religions of, of the world. Or I can choose this. My friend, let us choose this above all else. Let nothing else come in the way of this being your source of absolute truth, because that's what it is. It is God's living word to show us salvation, show us how to live, show us more about Christ, who he is, to understand who Jesus really is, that I might know him more intimately. And suddenly, if this is my one and only book that I hold dear and I stand upon, live upon, breathe it, eat it, when this stuff comes around and someone comes to me with a false teaching and false religions, I'm not going to be swayed because I have been grounded in my faith through this book and I'm grounded in Jesus Christ, my Savior. Let's make a choice this morning. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us your living word. You've given us this day. You've given us all things for life and godliness, and we find it in your word. While our heads are bowed right now and eyes are closed, dear Christian, as you look introspectively into your own heart right now, take, take inventory of your walk with the Lord. Can you honestly say that you are growing in the word? Or have you allowed the philosophies of this world to seep in and suddenly you're going after man's ideas, man's traditions, things that are not of God, don't line up with the word of God. And suddenly you're allowing all that stuff to seep in and it gets into your mind and suddenly you, you wonder, hmm, that might fit. 
I could add that to what, what I believe in the Bible. Dear Christian, would you make the word of God first and foremost in your life and today make a commitment to filter everything through that word, the living word, and see what God will do in your life. He will bless you, you will grow, and you'll grow stronger in your faith and knowledge of Christ. If you're without Christ this morning and never accepted him into your life to save you, I invite you to believe in him now. Just open your heart and put your faith and trust in him to save you. You can pray a simple prayer like this with me now. Just pray it quietly in your heart. It's not a magic prayer that prayer will save you, but it's a prayer of confessing your faith that you have now in your heart, that you are giving your life to Jesus Christ and ask him to save you. Pray with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ at this moment, you have been born again, my friend. You are now a child of God. You, Jesus has made all things new in your life. Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father, I thank you for decisions made this day. Father, may we leave here determined, Lord, to put your word, the scriptures, first and foremost in our life. To stand upon it, to live by it, and everything else is determined by it in our life, our actions, our thoughts. Thank you, Lord, for speaking this day again through that powerful word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.